What's up, guys? Welcome to Story Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Night Swarm. With me, as always, Filtercord. What up? Heyo. So it's been a bit. It's yeah. been a long bit. Um, we had a, a few issues, a few, you know, family emergencies, stuff like that, that put us back on this one. Right. Um, but uh, we're good to finally wrap up The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, the core game. Uh, we're going to go through the entirety of Act 3 after, uh, I think, the last story mode. We kind of realized that Act 1 was, like, twice as big as we thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we yeah, ended that up was having to cover that one. and Act 2. Yeah. Um, so, if you are uh, listening to this live, of course, that will be the only way to go ahead and get this one um, for now. We're making a transition from, uh, you know, where we do the live stream from. Um, and we thought it was kind of weird to just jump onto the new place with, hey, here's, you know, episode, what is this, episode uh, This will be five? the fifth story mode? Yeah, I think something like that. <clears throat> episode, episode five, part three of the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Um, we thought it was weird to have that. And then the place that we were before just started kind of deleting our projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sucks. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and move forward. We're going to wrap this up. We'll have this episode. And then uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll have um, the DLC portion of The um, Witcher 3, which one of those DLCs won Game of the Year. Right. Um, Pretty so, impressive. Uh, yeah, very impressive. <laughs> um, so if you guys haven't checked out our story mode from the beginning, uh, episode 1 is The Witcher. Episode 2 is The Witcher 2. Uh, episode 3 starts our part on The Witcher 3. Um, and that is going to be ultimately, what is that, three parts, right? It'll be a three-parter for the main game, and then an additional however much it turns out to be for... Uh, DLC. The DLC and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, part two is a pretty hefty. Um, for sure. So, uh, if you haven't checked those out, definitely go check those out. Get that story of what's happening in The Witcher 1 and The Witcher 2. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, without further ado, let's jump into The Witcher 3. We'll talk about um, the game just a little bit, you know, before we get into what is actually happening. If you don't know, Witcher 3 is a single-player action role-playing game. It's described as an intense, emotionally charged, non-linear story. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of your uh, decisions lead to uh, consequences, whether those consequences be good or bad. Um Sometimes it's give and take. A lot of times it's give and take. Um, right. So, uh, you know, that's what we're looking at. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into uh, Act 3, unless you want to do a small recap at the end for Act 2. Yeah, I'll do just a, I'll do a quick recap cool. and then um, kind of take it from there, I guess. So, um, yeah, obviously uh, Act 1 and, you know, there's a, a little prologue section as well. Those are really your introduction to the uh the setting of the witcher 3 um this is not a game where you have to have played you know witcher 1 and 2 um you can you can go right into 3 and in fact i would kind of recommend that because the previous games were really you know coming from a very small studio at the time uh studio kind of still figuring itself out so um yeah Yeah. act one is is gonna direct you to pretty much all of the main areas of the game uh so we have uh no man's land velen in the middle of the map. Uh, it kind of covers the entire like center, goes a little bit to the south, 
Um, the majority of your game is going to be taking place there. Um, especially in the beginning parts. Uh, after that, you head to uh, basically the two main cities, which are Oxenfort and Novigrad. Um, Oxenfort's kind of like a library college town. Uh, Novigrad is just like a very detailed and very large city. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of the last big city in between the north and the invading uh, Nilfgaardians from the south. Um, from there, you uh, eventually move on to uh, the Skellige Isles, which are sort of like, kind of like Irish Viking inspired. Um, so definitely some some really interesting, uh, you know, piece of setting there. Um, from that location, uh, once you wrap up all of your little quests and different, you know, events that are taking place in, I guess, those three main parts of the game, the kind of, you know, no man's land, kind of swampy, kind of gross. Mm -hmm. um, the cities, and then the island, uh, you know, nations. Um, you move into Act 2, which is, okay, take all the information that you've gathered and all the friends that you've picked up along the way and survive a massive attack from the Wild Hunt, right? Uh, so, in Act 2, you recover Siri, which she's the person you've been looking for basically <clears throat> the entire time. This, she's the plot of the game, for the most part. Um, take her back to Kermoran, which is the uh, kind of stronghold of the Wolf School Witchers that you are a part of. Um, from there, uh, you know, kind of, like I said, gathering all your allies and defending against uh, the attack of the Wild Hunt, which has been following Siri and kind of is like a recurring kind of piece of interest throughout the series i guess the entire witcher series including the books and everything mm -hmm. um kind of learning who your main antagonists in the wild hunt are uh so you have this massive attack that feels like in most games this would be like the final battle um the battle of Kermoran. but in this game it's just the transition from the halfway point onto the end game right so uh act two is pretty much comprises uh just that um it's basically recovering Siri and then doing the Battle of Kermoran. Uh, it's like two or three quest chains, pretty brief, especially considering, you know, the Act 1 is like, you know, I don't know, maybe half to two-thirds of the entire game is in contained in Act 1. So, mm -hmm. um, definitely a change of pace. And then uh, you go into Act 3, uh, basically like the... The Wild Hunt doesn't win in the Battle of Kermoran, but they get some significant gains. And you mm -hmm. kind of realize, like, we are not going to beat them in a normal battle. Um, so, Act 3 is... You kind of are doing Act 2 again. But this time, you know what you're doing. Um, you know, you're, you're being a little more intelligent about it. And, you know, going even bigger on, like, the number of allies that you're trying to gather. So... Um, I'll pick basically act three picks up straight off of, uh, obviously if you haven't listened to the previous ones, like this is your last chance to bail out and go back. Yep. Uh, if you want to do that. So act three picks off right after the funeral of Vesemir, uh, after he was killed by, uh, Imrilith. So, uh, Imrilith is like the, the, like, I would consider him like sort of the lead bodyguard and like the general of the wild hunt. 
Right. So, like, he's, like, the right-hand man, basically. Um, so, really, the top three are uh, Imrolith, like, strongman, bodyguard, uh, you know, warrior. Um, Karamthir, which is the head navigator and, like, ice mage. And uh, Aradin, obviously, is the king of the wild hunt. And we'll find out throughout this act, and a little bit from uh, the previous, that he is actually the king of this entire... Uh, type of like subtype of elf right mm-hmm. so uh, basically if act the end of act two Siri says you know what I've got some beef I've got some details on uh, you know what might be going on with Imrolith so I'm gonna go handle that if you want to help me then do it if not I'm gonna go by myself so you're like okay fuck I'm going <clears throat> So, following Ciri's lead, uh, she and Gerald head into the mountainous southern region of Crookback Bog. Uh, The witches of Crookback Bog hold a yearly festival in which local villagers donate food and usable goods, kind of party, and then many of the fey creatures of the bog also attend. Uh, This year, members of the Wild Hunt, specifically Imrolith, are going because they're trying to get, like, a boon from the uh, witches of the wood. So... Uh, you kind of track your way down to the the uh, kind of inhospitable mountainous area, uh, which basically is only populated to throw this party. Like you can get there at previous parts of the game, but it's like a high level area. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to navigate. Um, people like set up ladders and bridges and shit for the party, so it's just like very strange, kind of seemingly empty area when you discover it in like Act One or whatever. Uh, and now you kind of realize what it is. So, uh, you find your way to the festival, you kind of try to blend in a little bit, but that doesn't obviously work very well, because you're both, like, silver-haired, like, physically ripped, like, gods. Yeah. yeah. And the fucking townspeople all have, like, scabies and shit, and they're like, what is going on here? I want to fuck both of you. Trying to figure out how to get rid of scurvy. Right. They're like, yo, we haven't been able to grow lemons here in 700 years. What else has vitamin C in it? Anyone else's balls itch? My fucking... Yeah, anybody else's <laughs> balls itch, and they're, like, scratching their back pocket. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, everybody here's got three teeth, and two of them are in their pocket. It's a classic. Yeah, so, careful with that one. <laughs> uh, you gotta be, yeah, you can't unleash that on unsuspecting populace. It's considered a war crime by the Geneva Convention. It's it's so good, because <laughs> that joke came from one of Kevin Smith's terrible movies. <laughs> That's fine. Not terrible. God damn it. It came from Cop Out. It's just he It's good, but it's like... It did it's not, not meant to well. be high cinema or anything. No, definitely not. Right. So, um, yeah, the uh, so basically you kind of have to do some weird shit. Like as always, we're gonna skip over like minor details. It's not a step by step. There's some good, uh, you know, no commentary let's plays out there. This is check that out. This is meat and potatoes. Is what we're talking right. about. Meat right and potatoes here. only. And yep. really, I'm not big on the potatoes on this. <laughs> it's okay. really just the schlong meat. So yeah, they want the corn, not the onions. Um, right. <laughs> So, uh, uh, basically, you, you figure out your way through the festival to locate your two targets, which are, one, the witches, and two, Imrolith. Um, you kind of get to this point where there's, like, a split in the path, and it's like, the witches are in the mountain doing witchy shit, right? Like they do. Uh, Imrolith is on the peak of the mountain, just mad fucking, apparently. Hell so, uh, my dude, first of all, everything is forgiven. <laughs> I didn't understand we were brothers. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, they decide, so, uh, Geralt's like, you know what, 
Emerilith fucking snaps people's necks in half for like a party trick, so I'm gonna go ahead and fight him and you go down into the mountain and kill the witches because you have a grudge against them anyways. And uh, you know, Siri he figures that Siri will have an advantage facing multiple opponents because of her like teleportation abilities. Mm. So uh Siri descends into the heart of the mountain. Um she finds the three witches and they are in their like sexy form. Um they're like stirring a cauldron and occasionally you see like a body part. Like, like kind flop of float, float in up. there. You're right. <clears throat> um, so they're kind of like talking shit to each other, whatever. Siri's like, uh, yo, I'm here to fucking slice you in half. We and the witches this? like transform into their like normal, like disgusting forms, right? Yeah. Um, oh man, that one's eye that has like, it looks like holes. It's like a honeycomb. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking creepy. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic work. Very good art asset there. Uh, whoever did that, it's probably uh, Pavel Sawinski or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. They all got the same name. Fucking Polish people in America. Today on Is It Racist? It, yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, Siri kind of. They all have, like, different abilities. So, um, I sometimes forget who's who. But uh, the big bitch, I believe it's the Brewis, the one with, mm-hmm. like, the basket over her face. Yeah. Old um, basket face. Yeah, she just, like, slams the shit out of you. Obviously, she's big. Um, the. Wispess, the one with the bee eye. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of like shooting like swarms of bees and like flocks of crows and shit at Yeah, you. she's cool. like, they're ranged. Right. And then uh, uh, Weavess, the... Um, the one who has the satchel of body parts? Correct, yeah. The, th- the one with the like dangling shit on her, on her fucking fanny pack, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, she is kind of doing a mix where she'll like shoot across the battlefield and do some quick attacks and then try to dash away. So they have a very good uh, synergy combo going on. You got your DPS, you got your range support, you got your tank, right? Yeah, yeah. Everything so, that you need to be successful. Right, they're, they're, they're getting ready to go do a fucking uh, MMO dungeon, right? And you're just down here like a fucking idiot with your dick in your hand. So um, you kind of like, you dash around, um, you know, you're using your speed to get around them, you're focusing on one at a time, taking them down. Uh, moving on, obviously, this is a pretty cool battle. Um, all of these kind of final confrontations are very cinematic and everything. They have multiple phases. So you take them all out, and Ciri's kind of going around, like, stabbing them, making sure they're dead. Uh, when she gets to Weavis, again, the one with the, uh, the fucked up eye, um, Weavis reveals that she's actually not quite dead yet. She's kind of faking it. Um, she turns into uh, a flock of crows, and they kind of, like, blast through Siri. She, like, tries to slice a couple down, but there's really not a lot you can do. Uh, the majority of them are able to escape and actually fly out of the mountain, and they're heading up to warn Emerleth. So, you flash back to Geralt, scaling the mountain, uh, which obviously has a path, so it's not like you're in fucking climbing gear. Um, heading for the summit, when you arrive, Emerleth is surrounded by, uh, there's basically, like, food and, like, alcohol everywhere, and there's a bunch of, like, succubuses. Succubi? Um, Right, hmm. uh, uh, suck you, sucking something off. So uh, there it is. That's unfortunately, Emrilith is prepared for battle because uh, the crows of the Weavess were able to warn him before she escaped. Um, so instead of uh, catching him hog out, he is in his massive uh, heavy plate armor, <laughs> and of course has right next to him this like massive two-handed mace and his like tower shield. So um, I would say that this is. Either, this is in, like, the top two or three, like, hardest fights of the game. This dude is just, like, insanely powerful. 
he's like way faster than you would expect. Um, it's hard to get good hits on him because a he's like completely covered. Like he has the heaviest armor available and the biggest shield available, and this fucking mace is the size of a normal human body. And he just like, got done. Frogging. And he just got done hogging, so you know his crystal clear thought process, right? He's this got is him caught clarity. This is him caught flat foot. You know what I mean? Right. Like when you're post nut, like you just become insanely focused and powerful. Right. And right. he's he is like he's nutted his last drop, so he is at his absolute wits limit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like he occasionally will like taunt you or whatever, but he's mostly focused on the battle. You're doing a lot of like kind of dodging. Um, you try not to counter his or like try to parry because he'll just smash right through that shit. Um, eventually you piss him off enough that he throws the shield and just goes in full, like, you know, double, uh, double handed mace combat, just like he was doing with the succubi. Uh, finally at the end, uh, there's like this huge battle. Eventually he sort of like gets you backed up to the, like an edge of a cliff and, uh, Geralt is able to, you kind of like knock his, uh, you kind of like knock him off guard. And then Geralt just moves in close and just blasts, like, this sustained Igni, like, flamethrower directly into the helmet. Mm-hmm. And, like, you hear his, like, voice. Because the, uh, the Wild Hunt, when you first see them, they kind of seem like ghosts, almost. Their voices are, like, very echoey and haunting. And, yeah. Like, when you sort of see them unveil themselves as just, like, you know, a special kind of elf or whatever, it's like, okay... Yeah, it's so like this a, dude's, oh damn kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, oh shit, these are like dudes <laughs> that can whip my ass. They're not, this isn't the Grim Reaper. This is just some guy, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, you just like unload this like, it's like a minute long flamethrower directly into this dude's helmet. And you can hear him like shouting and it's like echoing around in the helmet. And he like, he like uh, drops his mace and he's like backed up and like tried to pad it out and everything. And when you let the, the flamethrower stream go he like grabs the helmet and pulls it off and his whole face is just like burned like cracked bright red like he's just fucked right Uh and he knows he's fucked so he like takes the helmet off and he's like down on his knees because he's like barely clinging to life at this point and Geralt fucking grabs the big mace and swings it and just crushes the head it just like pops his head off so good it's so satisfying um and Siri, you know, shows up not long after that. And uh, basically, having avenged Vesemir, uh, the two return back to Novigrad, uh, basically to uh, the uh, Passiflora, the uh, dancing establishment, let's say, that uh, <laughs> Dandelion inherited. <laughs> what yeah. a legend. My man. Um, my man. So, uh, once you get there, you're basically um, given kind of a series of fetch quests which is kind of weird but it's like hey each of your like allies wants you to do one final thing before they head into like certain death right (laughs) so um you meet with tris first uh she helps you track down philippa eilhart which you may have encountered sort of in the past um which uh you know you find out that uh siggy uh or you know sigmund dykstra Mm-hmm. Super pissed about it because him and her had the relationship in the past, and she's like constantly trying to assassinate him, which is good. <laughs> Very funny. Um, Yennefer wants you to help free some other sorceress allies who were captured by witch hunters. Um, so this can include. This is a tough one because like you're supposed to be stealthy and just get in, get out, take them. 
But when you show up, like, one of the women is, like, completely, like, tortured, broken. Like, she can't move. Like, she's paralyzed and just completely fucked up. Um, and it's like, uh, okay, do you think we can move her? <laughs> and the other one's like, no. Uh, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> so, like, you get a chance to do some avenging if you want. Um, and you kind of get a lot of, like, follow-up at this point. Like, you find out that uh, uh, one of the witches that you help early on, um, like, if you... Because her, her main goal is, like, okay, I'm going to go to the court of, you know, King Radovid, and I'm going to see if he'll take me. Like, I'm a high-level sorceress. So I don't have to put up with this horse shit. And if you're like, no, 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 dude. He's going to fucking kill you if you go. Like, if you can't talk her out of it, she actually does get, like, spit-roasted, basically, but not in the good way. <laughs> well, huh. I guess, is there well, a good way, first of all? But secondly, way? definitely not in whatever way could be construed as the good way, right? She is on fire, <laughs> on a stake. It's not good. It's some real fucking uh, Vlad and Medieval, shit. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you might also go, like, recover her body if um, you didn't convince her not to go there. Um, and then, uh, additionally, um, the kind of the final prep thing is with, uh, Siri, um, you get the follow up on horse son junior to kind of see what the play out of that was. And then also you see some allies that Siri had sort of in the book series. Mm-hmm. Um, so with horse son, if you let him live, uh, you basically ruin his life, right? He loses his benefactor, which was King Radovid. He loses, um, his gang. He loses all respect. You find him as like a penniless beggar. It just, like, totally fucked up, um, which is cool. And I think you even have the chance there to, to like, kill him or kind of fuck with his life even more, which is fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, if you killed him, then you hear that, oh, dude, Horse Son Jr.'s gang has been continuing to exist, and they're doing blah, blah, blah. You're like, what the fuck? You kind of go infiltrate, and you see him, like, the dude that you for sure killed when he was torturing those women... And uh, he's got his, like, friends in the room, and you're like, okay, time to die for real this time. And you, like, yank your sword out, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he gets his friends out of the room, and he's like, dude, it's me. And he, like, transforms, and it's fucking Dudu, the the uh, uh, doppelganger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, nobody really necessarily knew that you killed Horson back in that house. So, yeah. like, I decided to take over and use the gang for good. <laughs> it's like, what a legend, dude. Yep. Do do uh, do doing those good things. Do 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 it. Yeah. <laughs> you know and you got Folks. to kill someone. So this has been like a very productive yeah. like few minutes that we've uh, uncovered some good shit. Yeah, yeah. It's in the game. It's like maybe an hour or so of gameplay. So it, it's definitely more fun to see the overview. Yeah. Um. So after that, you're like, all right, now I'm gonna meet up with Avalok. Avalok's like, okay, this is a series like friend that was helping her understand her powers and everything. He's like, let's go on a little fucking hunt here because, um, so the elves of Earth, uh, or like the high elves that live on the planet that the Witcher takes place in, right? Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like this, so the, the typical elf that you come across is like what you would think of as like a wood elf or something from D&D or whatever. Like they sort of live in like, sort of like a tribal society, sort of, um, you know, they travel from place to place. They're not really integrated in human society. Um, but there is also, like, these high elves that are called the End Seed, which, like, um, I don't know, they're, like, very intelligent. They're the oldest 
like race of elf they uh kept their power and position from when the original like event happened that made monsters exist in the world like the conjunction of spheres mm-hmm. so um you know they're very intelligent they're basically immortal um you know they're usually like badass mages or whatever they're called the sages because they're so fucking cool basically so um that's what you perceive avalok to be right and then this is when he kind of dumps some fucking shit on you he's like okay um the wild hunt they are elves that are known as the nl so they during the conjunction of spheres that is where elves came from like they are from the world that the wild hunt lives on right so like it was a small group of elves that got cast out of that main world when the worlds collided but you know back on that original world they've continued to have a society for you know a couple hundred or thousand years or whatever so they're completely developed the entire country is under the rule of Aridin, and they're trying to avoid the fate of every planet in the uh all of the spheres that conjuncted right um they're trying to avoid the white frost, which is basically, I would consider it like the heat death of the universe, right? Um, it's just when like everything becomes snowy and everyone dies because they can no longer sustain in any way, right? It's like climate change just immediately into an ice age that you can't survive. And it's magically based. So, um, so you know, Avalok's like, you know, I used to be one of these elves. I use my teleportation magic to come here and become, you know, kind of go undercover as one of the sages. And, you know, we are... I've always been looking for the Elder Blood. I believed that the Elder Blood was something that we could use to defeat the White Frost and, like, allow these worlds to continue to survive. So, you know, each of us went to different areas to kind of do reconnaissance or go into exile or, you know, just await the end of the universe, you know, whatever they were doing. But uh, he says, you know, in particular... um, there's this one elf on, you know, the, the Wild Hunt's homeland called Gels, um, who was, he's like the steward now. Like, he is a very intelligent, like, leader in general, but he kind of just maintains the planet at this point. So, um, Gels is, he's like a very honorable, like, a dutiful guy. There's a lot of and dude going on, right? A lot of duty in this uh, act. This yeah. Act three colon duty colon. Semi colon colon. Colon. So uh, that's another, that's that's where duty comes from, folks. Yep. So, um, he's like, you know, I so Avalok says I have knowledge that says that, uh, Aridin actually killed the old king because the old king was not willing to like hostilely invade other worlds. So, if we could let Gels know that the old king was assassinated by the current king, which, I don't know, seems obvious, right? It's always the first suspect. Um, maybe Gels would help us and kind of get the main force of the NL elves to not support the Wild Hunt anymore and not send reinforcements when it's called upon, right? Um the path to get there to that other world. Like you can't just hop directly to a a different universe, right? You have to hop in between places that connected during the conjunction of spheres. 
So basically, um, you and Avalok kind of head out and then you teleport and he's like, all right, I'm not a hundred percent sure where this is going to take us, but we just have to follow the thread basically. Um, so you have to follow the breadcrumbs home, right? So you hop across and you end up, I don't know the exact order, but you end up in like a desert world and you're with Avalok and you're kind of walking along and he's like, uh, yeah, you know, this world used to be a forest world, but then something happened and everything changed and the white frost hasn't gotten here yet, but it's already uninhabitable. So we've abandoned it. Right. And, and then like, as you're moving along, suddenly like the ground starts moving. He's like, oh yeah, there's giant fucking sandworms here. Jesus Christ. So cool. we should probably get the hell out of here. I'm fucking yeah, making a pearl go. in my butt cheeks right now. So you like sprint to another gate and teleport again. Um, and this time you teleport to like a jungle world and he's like, you know, the white frost will arrive here soon. Uh, this was not considered to be a good outpost because like a lot of the ground, like if you get below a certain elevation, everything is like poisonous. So it's like toxic air and shit. Mm. So he's like, you know, you're just, you're basically going through these worlds and seeing like, okay, these monsters look kind of familiar. So like, and this, the uh, poisonous like jungle planet, you run into things that are very similar to some of the things that you fight in your world. So it's like, okay, so in the conjunction of spheres, this is where, you know, echidnas came from or whatever it is. So uh, it's kind of a cool explanation of more of the, like, harder to understand stuff of the Witcher universe. So I really like this whole segment. It's very I like the teleportation stuff. It's just generally yeah. interesting. Yeah, it, it reveals a ton about, mm -hmm. like, what's actually, you know, going down. Exactly. So then you hop again, but this time you've been separated. So at one point you hop to like a planet where everything's underwater mm -hmm. and you have to just like quickly swim to the next teleporter before you run out of oxygen, which is cool. Um, not all of us made it. Not everybody made it. So RIP to the real ones who were trying to like look for treasure or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so then from there you hop to this ice planet and Avalok's gone. And you're like... Because in the water one, you guys got, like, split up. So you're like, shit. And, like, nah, this, planet's already been, uh, this planet's already been taken by the White Frost. And you, like, see settlements and stuff. It's like, as you're running, you're, like, trying to get to this tower that you can see in the distance. And you can tell, like, you can see that magic has been used at this tower. And it's like the teleporter is somewhat visible to somebody with Witcher senses. So um, you're kind of, like, navigating through because... If you stand out in the open, you're getting hit by the white frost blizzard, and it's just, like, chunking your health off and, like, slowing you down. Eventually, you'll just freeze solid and die, like, within a couple seconds. Mm -hmm. So you're sprinting from cover to cover, kind of waiting for your health to regenerate a little bit, and then sprinting to the next covered area. And at first, it seems like you're just on the side of a mountain, but then as you're progressing, you realize you're in a city, and you're, like, it's mostly buried, but you're walking into, like, upper floor apartments and stuff. And it's like, you're like looking at things. And it's like, dude, there, you can like find journals and things. That's like, mm -hmm. the elves believed they could hide here. But when the white frost came, they couldn't move the people off the planet fast enough. So most of them died. And like, again, this is why the wild hunt wants Siri. They want to use the elder blood, not to attack the white frost, but to be able to move their entire society to evade it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, which theoretically she's strong enough to do, but. Like, obviously, she doesn't know how to do that. It would probably kill her to try, so. Um, you continue to kind of move along, uh, you know, getting through the place, get to the 
you're fighting some like ice wolves, which are kind of like the ones that the Wild Hunt summons, which is again kind of interesting that they've you know, they've focused on ice magic and they like summon these ice wolves from the White Frost. So it's like even though this is their greatest enemy, they've like fully adapted to it. You know? Right. Um, which is cool and interesting. Uh so then they um eventually you get to the tower, you jump through the portal, and you arrive at the original homeworld of the NL elves. Um, so you kind of have a quick conversation with Avalok where he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let me do the talking. You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're in the palace that Gels kind of leads from. So you kind of walk out and he's like painting a nude, sexy elf woman. So hell yeah. that. again, I stand a king. These elves are horny as hell. Um, and so he's like this artist and tactician. You kind of talk to him a little bit and he's like, you're like, okay, dude, he fucking killed the king. And he's like, yeah, you guys would say anything. You're just trying to fucking infiltrate. You guys are spies. You guys are assassins. Fuck you. And, um, you know, somehow uh, Avalok's able to use magic to show his exact, like, vision or, like, his dream or memory or whatever it is that he shares where you see Aridin, like, very distinctly poison the king. King dies. Aridin takes his crown. Um, and... Gels is like, if I help you, I'll be betraying my people. You know, I'll be like cursing my people to death. And Avalok's like, you're an honorable dude. You understand honor. You understand duty. Got him. Uh, here's our friend Dudu. <laughs> you you probably like him, right? So it's like, He's like we'll let yeah, you get dude, back to painting your sexy lady. But like, we need to like, this is not right. Like, your people may suffer he's like i have a plan first of all to like combat the the white frost but is it worth destroying endless worlds to save your people when those worlds already have their own people right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the guy's like gels is kind of sitting there he like thinks about it and he's like if eridan calls on me in a time of need and i can finish eridan off by not helping then i won't help but otherwise, if I think that he will survive, he's my king and I have to listen to him, you know? So it's kind of like uh, a position that... Uh, so, like, this game is very referential. Obviously, there's there's political opinion in it that you can tell has been uh, sort of affected by all the developers living in Poland, right? Like, they had a very unique view of World War II, right? They, they were yeah. watching from the fucking front row and they were getting splashed on by the watermelons, right? So, yeah. like... Uh, it's a Gallagher reference. Gallagher course. didn't go on like no bitch. So, like, we know that within Germany, within the Nazi party, there were many people trying to kill Hitler. Like, Operation Valkyrie was a whole thing, right? Where they were like, okay, this is fucked up. I'm not really super into the whole genocide thing. Let's not. And there were a lot of generals. There were a lot of leaders. There were a lot of party members that were like, Hey, if you get to a point where Hitler will be dead in like one second, then I will help you pull that trigger, but I won't help you get into position to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's It's too risky. But you realize that we'll never be in the position to do that unless you help us, which is why ultimately Project Valkyrie failed. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, but I think you, you leave this meeting with Gels in a very like understanding way it's kind of like you respect each other 
And then as you leave, he kind of calls the girl back out and she lays back down and you see that he is painting essentially like a Picasso, like very um, angled, very, you know, uh, what are they like? Not impressionist, but whatever the just completely different style. He's not going for realism at all. Yeah. Surrealism, one might say. So um, this is kind of like the idea there is that like, look how advanced these guys are. They're doing shit that wouldn't occur until the 18th, 19th, 20th centuries, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the world of the witchers, essentially, in, like, the 1400s. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of like, you might be dooming them, but they were already doomed, and it's not your fault. And that's, again, yeah, it, yeah, it's it was... kind of Gels' opinion as well. Like, hey, dude, Aaron's gonna fucking kill all you guys. But if you kill him, I mean, that's fine. You know? Mm-hmm. So, very interesting. What were you gonna say? Oh, nothing, nothing. I was just... okay. Continue. Yeah, I just I'm a very cut offy type person, so always want to give people the hope that they can get another comment in before I also cut that off. So, um, the uh, basically once you get all that done, you're able to kind of navigate your way back a little easier because you can use some more of the NL magic that um, Avalok doesn't always have access to. Um. So you basically are like, okay, guys, we're going to head out to Skellige. We're going to set up on this island. And basically the plan is we will draw out the Wild Hunt. So they'll send their flagship with all their dudes. Then we'll cut off the ability for more people to teleport in. So they'll get in whatever the first wave. So maybe like three or four ships. Mm -hmm. And then we'll completely cut them off. So they'll be in the harbor of this island. We'll have all of our people on dry land, right? Right. And then uh, we'll have the Skellige Navy ready to fight and then from the opposite side we'll have the Nilfgaardian navy roll in and cut off so that the wild hunt can't teleport away and they also can't physically sail away right so like completely have them surrounded just overwhelm them militarily and take them out right so smart move smart move. um it's a good strategy but how do you get them to show up to an obvious trap so uh avalok says well, there's this ancient item that was called the Sunstone, which was basically a magical device that one of the original sages brought that he could use to contact people back home without having to teleport all the way there. Son of a bitch. So it's basically a beacon, mm-hmm. right? Um, so Yennefer, when you arrive at the islands, there's some final cleaning up to do. So Yennefer sends Geralt to talk to Fringilla Vigo, who is on the flagship of the Nilfgaardian Empire's uh, fleet. So you show up, you basically, you have to like sneak onto the boat because obviously you don't have time to like talk to the fucking assistant and set up a meeting. So you like swim out, sneak onto the boat, and then you see the emperor and he's like, all right, dude, you better not fuck this shit up. And he gets his, uh, the sorceress to come out and you kind of give her your plan and you guys all get figured out. You go to this, like, you kind of have to track down where the sunstone is based on old legends and shit. Um, so then you meet back up with Avalok, and he goes up onto uh, this this island is like a mountainous island, and there's like a big tower on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he triggers the sunstone from the top of the tower, so it gets like a clear reception, basically. And pretty much instantly, um, the the flagship of the Wild Hunt, which is called the Nagalfar, which is a <laughs> cool name. Mm-hmm. Uh, real, you got to be careful with the pronunciation on that one, folks. Yeah, don't. So. Um, 
that like a rift opens up and the Nagalfar just like shoots out onto the water, right? And there's like a couple other ships backing it up. All the sorceresses start dropping that shit that like instantly the the uh, teleportation rifts all like seal up, right? And you can tell pretty much right away that they're like, oh fuck. The Nilfgaardian Navy like just completely rolls in to block off the escape route. The uh, uh, Skellige like Viking longboats are like rolling out. They like, there was a bunch of them in the harbor, but then a bunch like come around the sides of the island. And it's just like a full fuck on these uh, wild hunt dudes. Like they're completely surrounded. Fucking completely nervous. outnumbered. Yeah. Um, so the, um, the, the hunt, their, their ice mages realizing that they can't teleport. They all like freeze the water so they can't be approached, which is smart. So all the troops have to basically jump out of the boats and just rush across the water to go fuck them up. Um, as this happens, Avalok turns to Siri, who again was supposed to be kept in a safe place and not on the battlefield. And he's but like, "Here the fuck she is. Here the fuck we go." So he's like, "Siri, all of our troops can only approach on foot at this point. You have to get in there and stop that mage because he could just unfreeze the water and everybody will fucking drown." And they'll just be able to fucking sail away. Right? Yeah. So it's like, shit. So Siri's like, alright. So she starts, like, teleporting through real quick. So you play a Siri as she, like, hits the surface of the ice ready to move in. Right? So she... At this point, Siri is, like, fully unlocked. So as you play the game, you know, you're unlocking maybe, like, an ability... Like a new... You get 5% extra damage with your fire sign or whatever. Right. On Geralt. Like, you do that maybe once every... 20 to 45 minutes you're you're getting another level or something mm-hmm. like siri just advances as you play her in different sections of the game she's just suddenly more powerful because she's been doing all this shit on her own you know yeah so she doesn't have like a separate leveling tree or anything but when you take control of her at this point she is like she's fully unlocked like she's dashing everywhere in the field of combat like when she swings her sword there's like a blue after image because she's dealing like extra damage by like blinking the sword short distances to like speed it up um she's like completely shredding bitches it's like one hit on most enemies she's like moving through people she's like twice as fast as carol especially if you're in like heavy armor she just moves so quickly yeah yeah and you Um, can straight up feel that in combat like yeah yeah yeah. it's amazing when you take control of her at this point she feels like a jedi or something yeah it's cool it's like switching to yoda Mm mm-hmm Exactly. It's like playing Battlefront and you're like a fucking clone trooper just getting your shit rocked and then you turn into Yoda and it's like, oh, <laughs> okay. It's over for you, bitches. As soon as I unlock Yoda, it's over for you, host. So <laughs> um, she kind of like moves through battle. She kills like 10 or 15, you know, wild hunt soldiers or whatever. Just like no big deal. And moves into like right up to the Daglefar. Uh, Karanthir jumps down who is obviously the lead mage and he's the one who's controlling the spell and uh the two of you get ready for this big you know climactic showdown so um Karanthir's like lobbing like ice shards and like doing weird like time manipulation magic and shit Siri's like dashing around popping up behind him stabbing him dash away charge in like this huge cool battle it's not super difficult or anything and um like he does like this powerful like area attack and it knocks Siri back, and then Karanthir gets up and like charges toward her to like grab her, and Siri has to teleport away. So right as Siri teleports away, Geralt has arrived on the scene, jumps down, some bitches up, and he's like, "All right, let's finish this shit." 
So uh, Cranthier's wounded. So you show up and he's at about half health. Um, Geralt moves in. You, obviously, you're slower. You're not able to damage him as fast. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit longer battle and a little bit more difficult um, once you know you take control of Geralt. Uh, but you whittle him down, and eventually, right as Cranthier's about to die, you like deal the final hit on him. It goes into a cutscene. Uh, Cranthier does this big area teleport where it's like a, a short range teleport, so that is not being blocked. It's a different type of spell. Um, he teleports himself and Geralt under the ice. So, like, they're in the water with the top completely sealed by ice. Mm-hmm. And Geralt kind of looks, and you see Cranthier just, like, goes limp in the water. And he's just, you know, he teleported down there as, like, a final blow. And then Geralt just starts swimming upward frantically, right? And as you reach the surface, you see that parts of the ice are starting to melt because there's nobody maintaining the spell anymore. So, um, you know, you're able to get back up. Uh, Geralt sees a bunch of his allies, like, this is kind of the, like, Vietnam moment, right? Like, you're just kind of walking. Like, enemies aren't directly targeting you, but you're just walking by and seeing the mayhem. And, like, now that the, like, thinner chunks of the ice are melting, like, the ice is really just clinging to ships and, like, objects. It's the only place where it can continue to survive. So there's, like, people, like... There's, like, a, like you pass... Um, eventually you see Hjalmar... Uh, and he's just like just absolutely fucking up these dudes. There's like dead bodies all around him. He makes like a comment to you as you go by, and um, you're just like, God damn! It's like damn. So you kind of you know you continue on. The ice is mostly pretty much melted at this point, so you kind of have to swim the last couple, you know, little bit of distance, and you get up to the Nagelfar, climb up, and as you climb up, you see in a cutscene again, Croc um, on crate, who mm-hmm. was. Uh, you know, the old Viking leader. Uh, he was the king. I sort of referenced that he was the king at one point and he abdicated. Or, like, his father was the king and he didn't try to take up the mantle or whatever. Right. Um, so, again, huge dude. Looks like the dad from Brave. Yep. Just, like, massive barrel body. Uh, uses these awesome weapons. And he's, like, your longtime friend in, like, series. Sort of, like, another father figure to Siri. Um... This dude is battling Aridin. And he's like, just straight up, he's like, I will not let you take Siri. So they're in this huge battle. Aridin has, like, powers similar to Siri because he's had his, like, armor imbued with abilities and shit by the mages and everything. So, like, he's able to do these short term, these short distance dashes, or, like, teleports. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, like, kind of dashing around and getting these little hits on Croc that are just slowly bringing him down. And then he just fucking blast through his chest and kills him right so then not what you want to see dog right so then uh you know Geralt again late to the fight approaches and just the whole battle with Aridin he's like talking mad shit and he's like uh you kind of recall that uh Geralt after he was basically so basically um this is sort of mentioned in the books and sort of not and sort of mentioned in the games and sort of not like it's very like uh it's, it's sort of like kept in mystery in a way because they don't want to just directly say hey here's what happened but the whole reason that Geralt has had amnesia since the first witcher game and had to like relearn himself and everything um he basically died in this one battle like he got completely torqued by a pitchfork um one of his very cool scars it mm-hmm. essentially killed him right like he was lingering on the border and 
he was picked up by the Wild Hunt, which at this point, in the past, they were just, like, a wrecking crew. Like, they would just go to planets and fuck them up and see if it was worth taking over. They were raiders, basically. Yeah. This is when the old uh, Anel King was still alive. Um, Aridin was just a military commander, right? So they actually pick up Geralt, and they're like, dude, you're cool as fuck. You're way stronger than most of the humans we come across. Do you want to be a wild hunter with us? And you join the wild hunt for a while. Hell yeah. So, like, um, again, the reason that you come back, when you leave the wild hunt, they, like, delete your memory of the wild hunt because you could be dangerous to them. Yeah. So you know that's, much. that's most of why Geralt has amnesia. So, like, they eventually just drop him off alive. It's, like, years later. Everybody's like, what the fuck are you still doing alive? <laughs> You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, that's where Witcher 1 kind of picks up. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, at this point, he's, he's like, saying stuff. He's, like, you were never this slow and boring when, when you were with us. And, like, he's just constantly, you know, he's, like, if you give us Siri, you can join us again. And, like, shit like that, you know, just taunting you the whole fight. <clears throat> he's, like, at one point, he does, like, a large distance teleport where he takes you to, like, this cliff top where you're battling. And he's, like, we fought here before, don't you remember? And, like... You're, like, dueling him, and then eventually you get him pretty much beat. He teleports you a final time back onto the ship. Because he's, like, calls in all of his troops, basically, to, like, support him. Because he realizes he's not going to win. And, um, you continue to take him down, and you finally kill him. And he kind of, like, you get a wicked hit on him, and he, like, falls and, like, crumples to the ground, basically. His mask, like, breaks off, so you can see his face. And Aridin, um... When he, like, came back and, like, called for reinforcements, that was supposed to be when Gels send troops in, and he just doesn't. So, like, Aridin knows it's over, right? Yeah. And uh, he's sitting there, and he goes, he kind of laughs, and and Geralt's like, oh, you think this is funny? And he's like, you know, Avalok, we always distrusted him because he was so clever. Like, he was always able to trick people and get them to do what he wanted and make them think that it was their idea. And he's like, he has Siri right now. And he's going to use Siri to trigger the White Frost. Because he wants the Elder Blood for himself. And you're like, what the fuck? And you like, turn and look back at the island and you see this tower that is where he cast the Sunstone from originally. Mm -hmm. And you see the sky darken. And like, a beam, sort of like when Siri was screaming when she saw um, Vesemir die. You see this beam come down and hit the tower. And then just like fucking blizzards start emanating out of the tower. It's like, fuck. And then all of the like surviving wild hunt troops show up. They're surrounding you. Yennefer pops in, grabs you, and teleports back. So you appear back on the island in like this little village where you're, it was like your staging point. So now, at this point, the prophecy, uh, the uh, what Ilithun, Ilithanae's prophecy has come to pass. The final age has begun. Snow and ice are blowing around the area. The sky crackles with energy. Uh, and Ciri is right next to the tower at the point of connection. So um, you basically, like, jump onto a horse. There's, like, shit going on. And, like, as you are running around, Geralt's kind of mumbling the prophecy to himself. So you see the events of what was foretold basically so like you see there's like a troll and it's battling like this ice giant thing and it's like giants will battle giants that was part of the prophecy and Mm -hmm. like 
the Isles of Man will be split asunder, and it's like you're on this island that's getting fucking hit by lightning. So, um, you know, you ride through uh, all this crazy shit. There's, like, enemies attacking you. You just try to sprint past them, basically. Um, you arrive at the gates of the tower, and you see the tower. It's, like, glowing. There's, like, weird shit going on. There's a blizzard. And Avalok is standing outside. And you kind of approach, and he's, like, he draws his sword. And you're like, dude, you're fucked. You're fucked. There's no way you're gonna kill me. Like, what, yeah, what the fuck do you think you're doing? So he throws the sword on the ground. And he's like, it's not what you think. He's like, this was happening one way or another. I'm here because I've prepared Siri for to defeat it. And you kind of get a choice of where you're like, you can either say, hey, I'm not falling for that shit, or you can be like, okay, I trust you. Like you've always been helping Siri, regardless of what you choose, because uh, that is not one of the choices that this game wants to make, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Siri walks out and she's like calm and she's like okay I know what I have to do this is like this is the moment that I've lived for this is why all these people died to protect me now I can go in and I can protect everyone else in the rest of the world and maybe every world right if I stop it here it might stop forever so you kind of have these last couple moments to talk to Siri and this is where those moments that I've talked about in the past that they may not be highlighted by the game as being important, but certainly in the guide and then just in like the way the game plays out, these moments are really important where you get to talk to Siri and you get to kind of make the choice between, do you tell her to like trust herself and to make her own decisions and grow up and be an adult, basically? Like, there's the moment where you can go with her to talk to the sorceresses, which are, they are recreating the lodge, which was a big, you know, point of contention in The Witcher 2, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it's important in the books. Um, the Lodge of Sorceresses was like an extra governmental agency. They were basically like one world or order type shit. Like, we will convince the kings to do what we consider to be in the best interest of the world, right? So, uh, with the Lodge uh, kind of reestablishing, there's a point where they're like, hey, we want to talk to Siri because we want to see if she might want to join us. She's not a sorceress, but she has magical powers. So, we want to talk to her. And then you can go in with her as a girl. You can be like, okay, I'll go in and I'll do the talking and Siri, you just go in to absorb information or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. do that, that's considered a negative point, right? Yeah. Because what you want to do is say, Siri, you're fucking 19 years old or whatever. Go in there and figure your own shit out. I can't tell you what to do. I'm not your dad, you know? Like, um, there's, there's a lot of points like that toward the end of the game where... Um, you know, Siri might become defensive and depressed and withdrawn and just have, you know, Geralt and Yennefer basically be her voice in the world. Like, be my parents. Like, tell people that I don't want to do this. I don't want to make a decision. And then there's those same points where you can instead say, Siri, this is about you. This is about your life. And I know it's unfair that you were born like this, but that's just the way it is. Now you have to make a decision, you know? And each time you make her be make her own decision. person. Yeah. Right. That's a sort of a, a point in one direction. And every time you step in and take charge, it's a point in the opposite direction. And basically that those points are adding up to, is Siri able to defeat the, you know, the, the White Frost on her own? Mm-hmm. So, like, um, you know, you get some last moments. Uh, so you, you're making decisions, and then there's a few optional conversation items that you can bring up that are not gonna make a decision or not add or subtract points either way and those are kind of like you know siri will say some things and she's like 
you know, Geralt's like, are you ever going to come back? Am I ever going to see you again? And it's like some real emotional shit, which is like kind of like the beginning of Act 2 when you recover Ciri from the, like, Seven Dwarfs house. Uh-huh. It's that kind of thing where, like, the whole game, like, Geralt, like, he walks into a village where there's, like, five kids being burned alive or whatever, and he's like, mm, tough place. <laughs> and, like, you're, like, slicing people in half, like just crazy shit you see like people being burned at the stake and it's like he's like not happy about it but there's not a lot of emotional output when he sees siri dead on the on the bed in act two he cries like he, he just shits fucking his pants. folds in half and shits his pants and cries yep like a kid at the taco bell when they're all out of mexican pizza so it's like um sounds sketchy to me you know it's it's another moment where you get some really good like some really good voice acting because the guy's constantly just like it's raining I'm gonna have sex with the sorceress like not a lot of emotion in the voice and then when you get here his like voice is cracking and you can like hear him tearing up it's like it's so good um this game really like comes together in the final two acts like it just it it goes from like a really good RPG to again like one of the best games ever created right right um so you know you you have this last exchange and Siri kind of turns and she walks into the tower and you see her kind of uh like get enveloped in this energy and the elder blood activates and then kind of cuts away and fades out it comes back up and there are one of three endings um but they all start out in the same place so basically there are two the the core difference in the game is that um, Siri either lives or dies. So she's able to stop the White Frost either way. So your planet, at least, is not destroyed forever by the White Frost, right? Right. But um, she may. it may just be that you never see Siri again. You know, she's just gone. Um, so in this one, uh, basically... Um, you end up back in so this this epilogue where where uh, Sirius died. You're going through Crookback Bog. Um, you reach this werewolf that you say, "Hey, I'm killing you," and he's like, "Well, the swamp's fucked." I said, "I want to know about the crone that, that attacked my daughter," and um, you kind of move on and you kill uh, the Weaves, and you've like you you like sit. Uh, yeah, Geralt's like crying again and it kind of zooms out and shows the sun setting over the bog uh, all the people of Velen are completely fucked by the way because they actually did need the witches to like survive <laughs> yeah. so got them uh, also fuck you guys choose your gods better <laughs> for real uh, so the good ending one might say is that um, Ciri defeated the white frost and you kind of were able to retrieve her and it's been a few months and you are back in um, White Orchard. So this is the area where the uh, prologue took place, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you go meet some... Uh, you're, like, hunting uh, another griffin. So, like, probably the mate of the one that you killed in the beginning of the game, right? Or, like, a child or something. Excuse me, I had to get some coffee. So, um, you meet up with that hunter that you met in the beginning prologue, uh, Mislav. Um... So the two you kind of head out. You meet Siri on the trail, who is in like full like battling gear, right? 
Mm-hmm. And the three of you team up to kill this creature. Um, you head out and go to that village where you fought the Noon Wraith, and you're like, Siri's like, hey, let's go fishing and teach me the, you know, you're like, hey, Vesemir taught me the secret method of fishing. And she's like, oh, what is it? And it's like, you throw a fucking bomb in the water and it stuns the fish. <laughs> You know what would have made legend. It, you know what would have made it better if your character just would have woke up and Vesmir's like, "Hey, you were having a nightmare," and it turned out to be Groundhog's Day. Damn. The whole game, and then it kicks up again, and you get the just you constantly decisions. see him getting his fucking neck broken. And every single time, every single time you complete the game, Geralt looks more and more like Bill Murray. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually, it's the live action uh, Witcher TV show, but it's Bill Murray as the Witcher because he already has the silver hair. Yeah, see? Got him. Okay. So, um, and then you kind of like, you kind of move on back to the village and then you realize that Siri, uh, basically you've like, you've trained her and, um, she is going to be, uh, uh, oh, this is, this is where it's revealed. Like, you're like, okay, she's a witcher and she's like going to team up with me and we're going to head out and like fuck shit up. Right. Right. So, um, at the end of it, after kind of hanging out with her and you do the fishing and everything, um, Siri says, you know, I thought when I was younger, I thought maybe I could just ride around and, you know, change things with a sword, right? Like I would show up and save little girls from, from monsters, right? But that's not how things work. Like what I realize now is that the only way that I can change this world is from a throne and my father is the fucking emperor of Nilfgaard and he has said that he's going to put me in charge so she literally leaves to become the fucking empress of the most powerful empire in the world which was technically her birthright right so like it's like very dope and then like as she goes to leave you're like you're like uh, well you know what about me or whatever and she goes you'll be fine you're a witcher who the fuck cares is what she says it's like basically she's like do you have feelings like get fucked um, the, the other ending is that, um, you are called, uh, so the third ending, this is kind of the, if you're smart enough to keep Siri alive, but not cool enough to make her the empress of the fucking known universe, um, you end with this third, uh, prologue. So, uh, a week has passed, the war between Nilfgaard and Redania has concluded, and you're summoned by Emhir to, uh, update him on the search for Siri. Um, so you kind of go and meet him and you do the thing where you can bow to him or not. And, um, Show me your dick. he's, he basically says like, you know, what happened to Siri? Um, so you tell him, uh, Siri died. She died trying to stop the white frost. Um, so me and you can ask Avalok, he'll tell you the same thing basically. Right. And then, uh, he kind of like fucks off and then you go back to white orchard um and you're able to you basically go and like work with this uh craftsman to make a sword and uh like a witcher sword and you can name it a couple of uh, you can name it a couple of different things it, it's like a little final choice you show up at this tavern and there's like someone sitting there in like a hood and you go over and sit next to them and drop the sword on the table hood comes back and it's siri and she's gonna live as a witcher Done. So, pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So then there's some additional endings. Um, 
So it kind of has uh, some main quest endings and like some final conclusion type shit. Um, so final stuff. Uh, so Radovid, there's like a whole secondary quest line you can do where you conspire with some spies to assassinate the king of Rudania. So Radovid is basically a he's a total asshole, and b he's actually like a really good tactician. So if you don't follow through with this quest line, the war between the Empire and the North goes into a stalemate. Um, so basically, um, you know, either Radovid could have survived or you could have led to his death. Um, and then of, if you kill him, there's two additional points that either, um, Dykstra could take over. So in that case, he kind of betrays the other conspirers and like like, kills them and takes over. You're like, yeah, is that good though? (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, so let's see what it says here specifically. Uh, Radovid fell victim to assassins. A shadowy force took up the reins of power. Um, a consolidation of his rule and industrialization followed for the good of his subjects, but not following their will, the, the will of the people. So, like, he's like, I'm going to turn this backwater into a modern fucking country, right? And Radovid also did basically absorb the other northern kingdoms. Like, they're in... They're in a treaty state where they're all independent, but it's sort of like states in the U.S. So Dykstra, in that case, would be the complete ruler of the North, essentially, right? And he is like a, he is actually a good king. Like he's been a spy master and assistant to kings for his entire life, right? And he's been a professional idiot for a while too. Definitely a professional dick nose. Yeah. Uh, fuck that guy. I broke his leg a second time, so that's how I feel about him. <laughs> yeah. Same leg. That's brutal. Uh, and the third possibility wanna... is that you guys assassinate uh, Radovid and then allow Emhir to basically take over. Um, so with basically the idea is like, yo, we will become vassals of the Nilfgaardian Empire. We don't have this king that was fighting you. War is over. You don't have to kill people anymore. Like, we are not going to fight back, right? Mm-hmm. So then uh, the uh, the Empire is basically like, okay, well, you know, conquest of your area is over like you're part of us now thank you goodbye so that's again that's what i did and also i made sure that they the empire won the war because i wanted siri to have more territory um when she became empress so um there's a couple endings of the empire so uh the main storyline i guess after radovid's forces were dealt with emir turned those who had conspired against him so after he defeats the North, he basically turns inward and like does like some Soviet style purges of Nilfgaard. Someone's which got is it, I guess. Very cool. Um, otherwise, boundlessly obedient as long as victory continued, Emir's subjects turned on him after he was defeated and killed him on the steps of the palace at Vizima. This occurs if Novigrad and Velen is controlled by Radovid or Dijkstra. So again, his purges were completely justified. Um, the ruler of Skellige, you decided between uh, Saris and Hjalmar. Uh, if you don't follow through with those quests, then Svanriga Bran takes over, who was the son of the previous uh, king. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, he turned the Isles into an absolute monarchy, just like the Akhenaten, and deleted the like Jarlship, basically, where like the clans kind of um, you know determine their own fate, and they kind of have voting structures to choose leaders or whatever. Um, so then they talk about the fate of Siri. She either dies, question mark, because she does just 
disappear. So, like, she's probably in the cyberpunk universe, right? Hell yeah. Um, she becomes empress, or she becomes a witcher, basically. Uh, the fate of Geralt. So there's two... Well, there's there's three options. So this is how they're named. With Triss. It's hard to believe, but Geralt finally planted roots in faraway Kovir. The smell of freshly baked cakes, an occasional job to undertake, and a fortune to spend as Triss was a mage advisor to Kovir's king. This occurs if you completed secondary quest now or never, told Triss that you loved her, and chose to be with her. If prompted, you also have to ignore the advances of Yennefer during The Last Wish. So you can fuck the younger model, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Yennefer. Geralt and Yennefer retreated away from politics to a quiet, calm life together. They ate breakfast well afternoon, often in bed, passing time on lazy strolls and long conversation. This occurs if you completed the last wish, chose to be with Yennefer. If prompted, you need to ignore Triss. And then the ideal ending. Uh, forever alone. Sticking to his profession, living hand-to-mouth, always on the road, ever coinless. A drink with dandelion to speculate what could have been. This occurs if you completed The Last Wish and Now or Never, and told both Triss and Yennefer you wanted to be with them, or if you ignored romance options. So if you tell them both that you want to be with them, they, like, meet up and you see, they're like, hey, Geralt, come meet us later. And you, like, go to see them, and they're both in, like, sexy outfits. And they're like, just lay back, and we decided that we're not going to fight over you anymore, and we're going to get what we really want. And they, like, handcuff you to the bed, and then they just, like, just the two of them party and leave you alone. And they leave you chained up all night, which is very good. And then you lose both romance options because the game is like, you have to choose. Like, you have to be loyal to one of these hoes. Yeah. You know, if you ain't loyal to hoes, hoes won't be loyal to you, basically. Yep. That's the rule of the hoes. So, obviously, I chose Yennefer. Um, I think that, like, I've talked about this before. I have, like, I have very strong fucking Triss opinions. Like... She's just so, like, inherently unethical in pursuit of Dong that I cannot give her my magical witcher penis, you know? <laughs> so he's got the steel sword for humans, the silver sword for monsters, and the meat sword for hoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got him. Got him. <laughs> so um, I always would definitely be focused on Yennefer. Also, I like the goth, like, big titty goth GF vibe more than, like, the... I don't know, like, Triss is really cool, but, like, uh, again, I would choose Triss probably, given the choice between the two, but, like, she's just, like, the way that she manipulates Geralt early on is just fucked. And then also there's, like, she very much takes the role of, like, a big sister to Siri, so it's kind of like fucking your own daughter. So, I mean, I know that Pornhub has some new sections or whatever that are pretty popular, but I'm just not into that. Yeah, <laughs> those aren't new. Well, I mean, they've, <laughs> they've, they've quickly moved to the forefront as my uh, top results confirm. <laughs> yeah, that strictly uh, strictly research purposes, folks. So for this specifically, yeah, 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 only for this one event. I've never been on the website in any other reason. I don't even so, know what it is. Um, I'm I'm not sure what pornography even is. I've never even really heard of that or looked into it anyway. So um, after I got done jerking off, I made sure to select Yennefer because, like, uh, like I said, I mean, Tris is cool and everything, but just can't trust a hoe. You know. Jennifer's been, like, talking shit behind your back your whole life. So, you know, like, she's very consistent, right? Like, I get it. <laughs> I, I don't know. There, there could have been other options, is all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, like, those are the two that are, like, game following, I guess. Like, those are, like, built into the core gameplay. So, let me look, actually. There's a whole, like, romance section of the guide here. 
Because they know you're out here trying to bone. It's called Carnal Knowledge. It begins on page 449. So let's get back here. I mean, you got good old Kira Metz. Right. Oh, she's the one that... Uh, she will go get staked if you don't, like, warn her not to. See, Complete yeah. dipshit. Uh, so yeah, in the game, there are 12 potential fuck locations. Frog options. We'll call them frog options. Frog options. So, number one, obviously, the first one you get available, uh, Kira Metz. Uh, Number two, Triss Marigold. So, that would be at the end of secondary quest and now or never, which is how you initiate her romance option. Um, Number three is Yennefer. Mm -hmm. The first time, which is on the unicorn. Number four is Yennefer when you get to uh, act two, when you go to uh, um do the whole defense of the tower. Like, if you... At one point, she's like, hey, you want to go uh, hang out in the bedroom for a little bit and not do anything? And you're like, hell yeah. So, that's number four. Number five is uh, Yutta, who is a woman that you meet on the Faroe Islands in Skellige. Um, She's pretty cool. Get a little, you know, Irish accent and everything. Um, fucking a Viking's got to be exciting. Like, is she going to chop my Narns in which half? One, which one was that? Yutta, J-U-T-T-A. Hmm. She's she's pretty plain looking. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know who you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, number six is Madam Sasha, the uh, proprietor of oh shit uh, of the bigger whorehouse that competes against um, Dandelion. Uh, yeah, what is that called? Um, oh, that one's called the Passiflora. Uh, Dandelions is called something else. I, he renames it. Well, wasn't it called Crippled Kates or something? That's the other one. So, um, yeah, Madam Sasha. So that is also at the end of the high-stakes Gwent tournament, which you know was my favorite quest in the game. Oh, God, yeah? I love Gwent. My actual real gameplay experience was, like, as we go through all the stories of everything that happened, really what I actually did was walk up to people and say, hey, do you play Gwent? <laughs> um, so, yeah, number seven, eight, nine, there's three different hoes that you can knock up at uh, Crippled Kate's, like you said. Yep. Uh, 20 crowns for the night. So, seems a little low, right? A sword is like, just a very average sword is like 50 crowns. So these bitches are like the price of a billy club. <laughs> the price of a fucking You give them the billy club for the jack. price of a billy club, right. <laughs> so, you get, a, you get a back tap for the price of a blackjack. So, uh, numbers 10, 11, and 12 are the girls at the Passiflora. Uh, where Madame Sasha is the proprietor, obviously. They cost 40 a night, so at least they have some fucking self-respect. Out a here. little bit of fucking dignity. Right. And then in the guidebook, they say, number 13, Weavis. Wait. And then they say, just kidding. <laughs> oh, God, that'd be funny. Very good. <laughs> Insanely good, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, so really, I mean, there's the one extra mage, and then there's some hookers, which, you know. Uh, do women get mad if you bang some hookers on the side? I don't know. It was a different time back then. All and I'm then, saying uh, is we got robbed because there was right. that on-crate chick that we... Uh, mm, Saris. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like the look of her, too. She, like Nothing with her. It wouldn't feel like you're taking advantage of her because she's got, like, facial scars. So you know she's a badass. Yeah, she'd kick the shit out of you anyway. Again, I think that you didn't because you, like, were around when she was a child. <laughs> like... Oh, really? While she was being raised, yeah. I guess I didn't see that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah 
I guess that one's for Danny. But uh, I mean, uh, what's funny <laughs> is that Geralt is just out here mad fucking like he's got like an addiction to like sorceress pussy. It's really weird. Uh, but he like is like really scrupulous about certain things. Like he will not have sex with somebody that is like someone that he ever knew when they were younger. So he's got like he's got mad ethics, basically. Is what I'm saying. That's why I like him so much. But yeah, so that's the uh, the ending of the main game. Um, I think we will just put the two DLCs in a, their own conversation because one is not so bad, but then uh, Blood and Wine is like longer than the third act description. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would one. rather have those two together just and just you know do a DLC bundle there, just like they did when they released the complete edition. Bingo! Complete edition will be fucking. When we wrap all these together and release them as exactly. one big 19 it's like a hour fucking nineteen-hour podcast <laughs> where we reference the same event like forty-two times. That would be funny to wrap it all up, and it's just the same length as the game. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's like it's you could live walk through it with us. Yeah, step by step, almost. And if you look yeah. to your left right now, okay. If you look to your left, if you've been uh, moving, at, if you've been using the enhanced walking speed mod then you'll know that if you look to your left right now, you'll see uh, this one harlot's uh, titty hanging out. It's just the left one. That's fine. Just the left titty. Mm -hmm. They were very tasteful with it. Yeah. Well, the left titty is the sinister titty, right? If... Like, that's the titty you can't trust, so you gotta have it revealed because it might be doing some crafty shit underneath there. If you've hit the the stake with people burned at it, you've gone too far. Exactly, yeah. Don't walk into the stake for sure, because you can. (laughs) You can walk into the burning pyres and you'll take fire damage. (laughs) Could it's a very imagine? fully realized game. Could you imagine the people in the crowd? Oh my god, look. It's a witch. That's insane. Who the fuck's this guy? And you're it's like, sorceress pussy! Full armor. And, and Tristan over there, the he'll do anything for it, won't he? He'll he really just... <laughs> well, I'm gonna the burn the wife, but at least I'll get my knife. It's the way I always wanted to go out. But do we have anything else for... Uh, the end of the main game. Yeah, I mean, um, you can immediately... One of the... Uh, like, they released either 12 or 15 free DLCs. Most of them were, like... Yeah, free, like, alternate, costume packs. Uh, yeah, and... alternate costume for Yennefer. That was one. Yeah. Alternate costume for Triss. That was one. So, like, you know, some of them were kind of cheap. They released a couple of extra side quests and stuff you can do. One of the main things they released was New Game Plus, where you can continue yeah. with your currently leveled and currently geared... Uh, Geralt and do the whole game again as if it's Groundhog's Day yeah it's kind of like realistic to do the new game plus because theoretically by the time of the Witcher 3 you're not like a fresh Witcher that just got his training outfit right yeah yeah. you're like already a legendary god so um that's the that's when the real game starts right so like new game plus is kind of the like canonical intelligent way to do it I guess because it's like okay I have my fucking legendary, like, Griffin Slayer armor on. I have my, like, Sign of the Bear, like, double great sword. You know what I mean? Like, that's where you would be naturally if you were a real witcher at that point, I guess. So, that's cool. But who has, a, who has uh, 90 hours to complete one walkthrough and then cut back and do it again? Yeah, really. That's kind of like, uh, hey, I'm going to do all three of the houses in Fire Emblem. It's like, are you fucking psychotic? Yeah. I <laughs> who has that amount a of second time? one, but I couldn't. I wanted to do a first one and I couldn't. <laughs> I got to the time hop and I was like, "Damn, this game just keep going, huh?" And I fucking walked away. 
So, like, uh, there is also very interestingly, um, you know, with CD Projekt Red moving on to Cyberpunk after The Witcher 3 and the DLCs, of course, mm-hmm. um, they kind of had a good relationship with Mike Pondsmith, uh, who made the original Cyberpunk uh, tabletop games. And the uh, Art Alsorian games is basically Mike Pondsmith and his wife and his son. So, I think it's Cody Pondsmith as the son. So, um, they actually got together, and it was mostly the son. Uh, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to get it wrong a lot of times. I would rather just get it wrong once. Um, he actually was like the lead designer on a Witcher universe uh, tabletop RPG, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't played that one with human beings. Like, I have the book and I've read through it and I've, you know, theoretically, like, I've looked at it and I've thought about what I might do with it. But, um, haven't actually played it, but what I've heard is that the, uh, the system is kind of archaic. Like, they didn't design a new, like, gameplay system for The Witcher. They used one that they had done in previous games. And a lot of the Artalsorian games are criticized by just having a really old, like, um, like just the way that you, like, mechanics. perform actions and, like, the way that you resolve combat and things, the way that the dice rolls are added up and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's all considered pretty archaic at this point. It was mostly done in the 80s, which is why it's so archaic. Um, so, you know, there's definitely, like, some... I, I remember there was some disappointment about the tabletop uh, Witcher game. Also, it's one of those things that's kind of like... If you were doing an RPG of, like, Star Wars... Why would everybody not play a Jedi? Like, why? what is your benefit for picking, uh, I'm a cocky pilot or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's kind of like, as cool as like Finn is in the new Star Wars movies, like I like the character of Finn a lot. Mm-hmm. I think he's an interesting, cool guy. Uh, why the fuck would I be interested in what Finn is doing when I can see somebody slice a dude in half with a laser sword? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's that kind of thing. And, and like, not only that, but like, who wants to be Finn when Rey exists, right? Yeah. So Or you can be Baby Yoda. I would be Baby Yoda, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, Baby that could Yoda. be Baby Yaddle. That could Yaddle be Baby was Yaddle. The only, so there's it's only three canonical... just Yoda and a fucking wig. <laughs> yeah. There was only three canonical Yoda species. And then there was one dude that was similar to Yoda species, right? Uh, yeah. This is... You've right. reached the uh, special section of the podcast. Here. Yeah, we've, we've moved Hidden on. Hidden lore. So there was a... Uh, so yeah, Yoda, obviously. Um, there was Yaddle, who was on the... Jedi Council at the time of the Clone Wars, like right before the Clone Wars, and then she kind of disappeared. So there's a theory that it's she disappeared because she was knocked up by Yoda. Pretty Hell cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, I forget what his name is. It's like Deepa Bilbu or something. Like horrible Take Star Wars name. Uh, there's another Deepak Chopra. Was like they looked like Yoda, but they had like kind of like a he's like larger, so he's like twice as tall as Yoda. He's got the big ears. Uh, this guy in particular had, like, one of his eyes had a scar over it, but uh, obviously that's not, like, a racial trait. But they had, like, pinkish skin. So, I don't know if that is implying that they're, like, a similar species that developed in a different planet, you know what I mean? Or they could be, like, um, I don't know. Like So, there's another guy that could be somewhat similar to Yoda species, right? Mm. And then there was also the only other Yoda-like creature, other than Baby Yoda, obviously... Um, I, don't, I like and, that uh, it doesn't have a name. It's just Baby yeah. Yoda. Cause we well, they're going to reveal the name, apparently, and it's going to be important. Yeah. Like, I think it's been referenced before. It's probably Snoke. 
It's baby Damn. Snoke. Spoiler alerts. Sorry, folks. But uh, it's not canonical anymore, but in Knights of the Old Republic, uh, you had Master Vandar, which was basically the Yoda of the Old Republic times. So, like, Yoda species exist, and apparently they're all Force-sensitive, right? We've never seen one that was not a Force user. So, I don't know. They're probably, like, there's a couple species like that that are, like, very Mm -hmm. Force-attuned. Or, like, you know, like, huts. Like, all huts are able to resist Jedi mind control. They're just naturally able to do that. So, like, um, it could be that Yoda species is just very, like, Force-adept. Um, but, yeah, it's, it is interesting because he's, like, only the the third canonical of Yoda species and maybe the only fourth or fifth of something similar to Yoda species, even within the expanded universe and stuff. So, it's pretty cool. Good stuff. All right, before we dig any deeper into Star Wars, which, right. shit, that could be our next like, I could do that. big thing. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and wrap up the uh, the old Witcher 3 main story. Thank you guys for joining us. You can always uh, check everything out uh, over on Facebook.com backslash Mammoth Games Inc. It's also where we're doing our live stream of our... Uh, you know, of our weekly show, the Mammoth Games Cast. So come and check us out there live. Uh, usually, uh, every Sunday, um, it releases, uh, Mammoth Games Cast releases Mondays, um, you know, pretty early, usually like 8 a.m. Um, so go check that out. The likes, comments, and shares are appreciated. Uh, and as well on Twitter, at Mammoth Games Inc. So you know when we go live, usually do stuff like this. This one, of course, was not streamed live. So we do apologize for that. We just didn't want it to yeah. be weird and like, hey, here's the last piece of The Witcher. Um, we'll probably continue to do that for the very last one of The Witcher as well. Just podcast oriented. So if you want all these, please go check them out. Uh, you know, check uh, everything else out um, here on the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, um, we have a a pretty big list of things that we can do next of course after um we finish up the last episode for the witcher here um so let us know if you guys have an opinion on what you'd like to hear us uh you know dig into um but as always thank you for hanging out for mammoth games inc i am night swarm and i'm filter cord have a good one